The following program is intended for mature audiences. All right, you primitive screwheads, listen up. Let's talk football. Let's talk football. One constant through all the years, Ray, has been baseball. Been a lot of complaints already. Bad language, smoking grass. 106 miles to Chicago. We got a full tank of gas, half a pack of cigarettes. It's dark, and we're wearing sunglasses. Hit it. Welcome back to another episode of the Intentional Foul Podcast. I'm your host, Dan Saunders. We're recording this Monday night. And um, usually Mondays are are overreaction Mondays during the NFL season. But uh, no surprise to me, uh, today was overreaction day when it came to the Bucks And what happened last night in Game 3 versus the Raptors in the Eastern Conference Finals. Um, honestly, to me, nothing too shocking. I, I didn't I didn't think uh, this was going to be an easy series for the Bucs. Um, took care of business at home, going up 2-0. And uh, we'll get into uh, to Game 2 a little bit here. But, you know, you figure Toronto's going to win one of two at home. Uh, usually in these series, Game Three is is kind of the one that that the 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 lower seed gets. You know, you're fired up, you're you're down 0-2, you're desperate, you're going home. The crowd's behind you. You got to sleep in your own bed. Um, so not not too surprised that that Toronto came out and and got the W. What, what was more surprising was kind of how it all happened. But um, we'll start with Game Two. Bucks were in command the whole way. Uh, got out to a quick 9-0 lead. Um, saw a pretty pretty incredible second quarter performance from Ursan Ilyasova off the bench. You know, hitting some some fadeaway threes and contested uh, long two pointers and, and getting offensive rebounds and steals and and uh, you know kind of vintage Ursan drawing a couple charges. You know, doing doing the things that he does. And that's why you love to have a guy like that on your team. I, I know when you watch these guys 82 games a year or close to it like I do, you know, Ursan's a guy that can be kind of frustrating on a night-in, night-out basis. But, you know, performances like he had in Game 2 are are reasons why you, you got him. Um, saw another good performance out of out of Malcolm Brogdon off the bench. George Hill was solid off the bench. Um I thought Chris Middleton did a really good job on on Kawhi Leonard in Game Two, making it really tough on him. You could tell that he really had was was wearing down, similar to the way he did in Game One. And uh, of course, Giannis was spectacular. Bucks got it all the way up to a twenty eight point lead at one point in the second half, and uh, end up winning by about eighteen. So you know, not a lot to go through that one. That was just you know kind of one of those beat downs where the home team gets hot, makes a bunch of threes, and, and the road team just can't recover. So going into Game Three, you know the Bucks are and and their fans are feeling pretty good about themselves being up two zero, uh, going to a place that you know you can win. You've won there in the playoffs before a couple years ago. Uh, won a game up there during the regular season this year as well. Um, but the overreactions with with the loss came in hot and heavy today. One that especially kind of irked me a little bit was the the infamous Colin Cowherd, who just two uh, nights ago after Game Two had tweeted something to the effect of, 
you know, look out for the Bucks. Golden State better beware. This team's for real. And today, after a double overtime loss, he was ready to say they were yeah, they were a nice regular season story. Um, they don't have a second star. Giannis can't shoot. Um, pretty much all the things we already knew. Uh, but for some reason, this team won 60 games and was 10-1 and in the playoffs going into last night's game. Um, as I said before, tough game. Tough game. You know, Toronto got off to a good start. Bucks were playing uphill all night long. Um, Toronto was never able to, to kind of pull away. They had a lot of opportunities in, in the second and third quarter to kind of extend that lead into you know, into the double digits, into the, you know, 15-point range. But um, the Bucks hung tough. You know, kind of what they've been doing all year. They hung tough. They they, they kept it close. Um, there was just a lot of instances where they, they just seemed like they couldn't get over the hump. They'd get it within two or four, and, and they'd have a silly turnover or or somebody for Toronto and Norman Powell or, or Lowry would hit a big three and, it was just a frustrating game all the way through. Uh, and somehow the Bucks end up forcing overtime as poorly as they had played. And honestly, when they went into overtime, I was feeling pretty good. You know, Kyle Lowry had fouled out for Toronto in regulation. Um, you could tell that fatigue was setting into uh, Kawhi Leonard and Pascal Siakam. They'd played a lot of minutes. Marcus All as well. Um, I, I was feeling pretty good. I thought. If the Bucks were ever able to tie or take the lead in that in that game, I, I thought they would be able to pull it out. But um, once it went to the second overtime, I knew they were cooked. And uh, I was texting a buddy of mine during the game, and right before the second overtime started, I had texted him that in the first 30 seconds, Giannis or Chris Middleton was going to foul out. They both were going into the second overtime with five fouls. And sure enough, first time down the floor, Siakam drives, puts his shoulder square in Giannis's chest, and he is called for his sixth foul, and that pretty much wrapped it up for the Bucks. So a lot to unpack with that. Probably the worst game we've seen Giannis play in, you know, other than maybe game one against Boston, probably his worst game of the year. Um, you know, if you look at his stats... He finishes with 12 points, 7 assists, 23 rebounds, 4 blocks, and a steal. Um, but those those don't really tell the story. Uh, in 44 minutes, 5 of 16 from the field, 0 of 3 from downtown, 2 of 7 from the free throw line, and a disgustingly awful 8 turnovers. Um That's not the guy that we're used to seeing. That's not the guy that's going to be the MVP of the league. Everybody's entitled to a bad game. It's it's just unfortunate that, you know, if they could have got a little bit more from, from Giannis last night, not, you know, not much, maybe 5, 8, 10% more, they win that game. Uh, equally as bad, or maybe even worse, were Chris Middleton and Eric Bledsoe. And both of these guys have been struggling offensively. Uh, you kind of knew Middleton's numbers would be down a little bit, having to chase uh, Kawhi Leonard around. You know, just going to take a lot out of you, take a lot out of your legs. And and when Middleton's primarily shooting those deep threes, you know, the first thing to go when you're tired is your legs. 
Um, I don't know what is going on with Bledsoe in the playoffs. Um, he was so good all regular season, and I don't know what happened. He, he was good in the Detroit series. But once they hit Boston, um, you know, and, and then those five games and the three games of this Toronto series, he, other than game five against the Celtics, he's been pretty bad. You know, last night, again, the stats, 11 points, five assists, four boards, three steals. Doesn't sound terrible, but three for 16 from the field, one for six from three, and five turnovers for Bledsoe. Three of 16, one of six, two of four, and three turnovers for Middleton. Um, that's just not going to get it done, especially on the road. Got to get more out of those guys. You know, Lopez has had a really nice series. He gave you 16-6 and six again last night. You know, Miritich, while he's still struggling with his shot, you know, he's found some other ways to contribute. He had five boards and three steals last night and, and played some pretty good defense. Um, but, you know, when when as a team, again, you know, in, in, in game one of the Boston series, the Bucks went like 11 for 44 from three. And last night they go 14 for 44 from three, 32%. So, and again, you, you lose in double overtime. Solid bench play again. You know, 20 points from Brogdon. 24 points from George Hill, who was spectacular again. Uh, Ersan, you know, not not as good a game as game two, but he gave you solid minutes. Um, I thought Pat Connaughton was great last night again. Came in, hit a couple threes, gets get some offensive rebounds. Um, you know, only eleven minutes played. I wouldn't mind seeing a little uptick in his time. You know, maybe get him up to that fifteen to eighteen minute range, depending on how he's playing. Um, but you know, it's it's one of those things. This happens in the playoffs, and um, it's certainly not a bad loss by any means. Um, this happens. I, I never thought they were going to sweep Toronto. Toronto's too good. They played too hard. They got veterans, got guys that have played deep in playoffs before. So they're, they're you know they're not going to go down without a fight. Um, but I tell you, I've been impressed with the Bucks' toughness all postseason. You know, there were a couple times there against Boston in, in games three and four where would have been real easy to kind of fold up tent and just be content with with splitting those two games on the road, but. We're able to come back and win both, and, and in game one of this series, again, coming coming back late, winning the game. So um, good effort. Got to clean some things up. Too many turnovers. You know, a lot of poor shooting, poor from the free throw line, but, you know, nothing that going forward um, really concerns me too much. I guess the only thing that would concern me a little bit is how Toronto has adjusted their scheme defensively. And that kind of leads me into Kawhi Leonard, who uh, had a good game last night. I think uh, a little overhyped in the media as to how how good of game it really was. Uh, Thirty six points, five assists, nine rebounds for Leonard in fifty two minutes. We'll see if the short turnaround tomorrow night plays a factor in in, in his legs. He was already hobbling a little bit during the game, and you know to play fifty two minutes in a Eastern Conference Final must-win playoff game. That's going to take its toll. Um, you know, again, I, I thought Middleton and Brogdon did a pretty good job on him. Uh, but they run everything through him, and he has got the green light. He's going to get 
shots up. Um, you know, they, they made a little tweak, and uh, they switched Siakam over to Middleton and Leonard over to Giannis. And, you know, I saw something today. Somebody sent me a stat. It was like, you know, Kawhi guarded Giannis on, like, 40 possessions and Giannis only scored four points and he was one for nine or from the field and this and that and boy isn't quite great yeah he's a great defender um I don't think he is the reason why Giannis struggled last night I think that Toronto's immediate double and sometimes triple teaming of Giannis every time he put the ball on the floor and especially when he would try to get into his spin move and turn his back you know, they were running at him and uh, forcing him to make decisions on the pass, and he made some poor decisions last night. So, you know, kudos to the to the Toronto coaching staff for making that adjustment. But, you know, to put it all on Kawhi Leonard and say he shut Giannis down, that's just, you know, that's not true. I mean, as much pick and roll as Milwaukee runs and the constant switching that goes on defensively, um, you know, there's so many times where Kawhi may start out the possession guarding Giannis, but he ends up guarding somebody else on the switch on the pick and roll. So, um, you know, take nothing away from Kawhi. He's he's a he's a great defender. Everybody knows that. That's why they call him the Claw. But um, to to say he sh- shut down the Greek freak, that's a little much. Um, you know, last night and I think going forward in this series, um, it's going to come down to as Shaq calls him the others. You know, the Raptor others versus the Buck others. You know, for Toronto, it's it's Danny Green. It's Norman Powell. It's Fred Van Vliet. And for the Bucks, it's Connaughton, Hill, Miritich, <clears throat> Ursan, Lopez. Um, you know, who's going to hit shots? Who's going to make plays? One thing I would not mind to see happen here in the next game excuse me is uh, maybe making a switch in the starting lineup if you're Coach Budenholzer and not not because you're in any kind of a panic but um, I think it's time to put Brogdon back in his starting spot move Miritich to the bench Um, you know we're four games back with Brogdon he uh, played a lot of minutes last night uh, 36 minutes you know, by by his own account, he feels fine. The, you know, the 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 foot injury is not not an issue. It's more of a conditioning thing. Um, but I I would just like to see him back in his spot. Kind of puts everybody's roles back to where they were for the majority of the season. You know, um, takes a little bit of your bench depth away. I understand that, but uh, I, I I just think that um, it'd be nicer. Uh, the Bucks have started off slow in some of these playoff games this year with the, really with the exception of game two the other night. Um, and maybe if you get Brogdon in there, maybe it takes a little bit, a little bit of the scoring burden off of Middleton and Bledsoe, uh, to start the game. Cause you can kind of see early on, especially Bledsoe kind of pressing, you know, to, to find a way to get themselves going. So, um, I don't know. We'll see. I, I don't think there's going to be any major tweaks or major moves by the Bucks. I think they're pretty confident in what they're doing. Um, we've had three games in this series. I think the Bucks have played well for about uh, a game and a half, and they're up two to one in the series. So, uh, looking forward to tomorrow night. It should be a fun one. I look for the Bucks to win, um, 
and go home 3-1, looking to close this baby out on Thursday night at the Fiserv. And uh, hopefully I can I can figure out a way for myself to get there. We'll see. Um, and just one last thing to touch on with this game. Um, I did read some things online and, and hear a few of the local uh, radio guys kind of kind of complaining a little bit about some of the foul calls. I actually even heard Bill Simmons uh, complaining about some of the late calls on Giannis. Um, you know, that's one of those things that's going to happen. I'm not going to get too bent out of shape about it. Um, you know, the Bucks had plenty of opportunities to win that game last night. It's unfortunate Giannis fouled out. The you know the foul out call was questionable. Um, his fifth foul was a bad call. Uh, but that happens, you know. There's look in a basketball game. There's plenty of times you foul a guy and they don't call it, and there's plenty of times you get fouled and they don't call it. So it all evens itself out for the most part. I, I really didn't think the referees played much of a uh, effect in the outcome. So um, just about an hour ago, Golden State um, finished off Portland with a four-zero sweep. Um, on its face, a competitive series. You know, the, the scores were all close. There were no blowouts. Portland led uh, a majority of the last two games, but, you know, it just kind of came down to Golden State's uh, championship medal. They just um, they know how to pace themselves during these games, and, you know, they, they can turn it on and turn it off when they want to right now. They're, they're in a pretty good groove, even without Kevin Durant. They're going to be tough to beat. They're going to be tough to beat. Um, you know, they, they, they won't die easily. You know, they're like the old boxing champ. Like, you, you, you can't get a decision on them. you got to knock them out. And they are tough to knock out. I mean, as much as I don't like Draymond Green, that dude is tough, and he brings a toughness to that team, and those guys follow him. He's not their best player, but he's definitely their leader. And uh, they feed off him. And with Duran out of the lineup, Draymond has really, you know, kind of turned it up a notch here in the playoffs. So um, they're going to get a long rest. They're going to get like nine days off. So, um, you know, hopefully the Bucks can can wrap this up in five or six, give themselves a couple days off, and uh, maybe steal a game one in the finals with a rusty Golden State. You never know. But. To knock these guys off four times in two weeks in a seven-game span is uh, it's going to be very daunting. Um, something interesting today, I saw uh, Magic Johnson, uh, his first public interview since he resigned from the Lakers. He was on uh, ESPN First Take this morning sitting down with Screaming A. Smith and Max, I want to have hood cred Kellerman. Um. You know, be perfectly honest, Magic Johnson is my favorite basketball player of all time. So, you know, I, I kind of always lean towards Magic in, in situations like this. Um, his explanations weren't great. Basically, he said a lot of things that Josh and I talked about, I don't know, three, four months ago when the regular season was going on. Um, he wasn't, you know, he wasn't allowed to be Magic. He he, he had to be Irvin Johnson, the, the basketball exec. Um, said it wasn't it wasn't that fun. Uh, a couple of interesting things, you know. He said um, going in when he was hired, he told Jeannie Buss that it was only going to be a three year deal for him, which makes sense. I mean, Magic's got all these other businesses. You know, he's got he he's a co owner of the Dodgers. He's he 
owns all these Starbucks and movie theaters and production companies. And I mean, the dude is the dude is one of the busiest people that you'll ever see. Um, so to to ask him to give all that up to be a full time you know, basketball guy for the Lakers is a lot. And, you know, if he told her that going in, well, that's, you know, good on him. Um, but at the same time, he can't have that job and only be half in. You know, this isn't the this isn't the 80s or 70s anymore. Like, you know, you got to be going on scouting trips to, to Croatia and Greece to, to find the next Giannis or the next Joel Embiid or Luka Doncic. You know, you got to be going to, Patriot League games and trying to find the next C.J. McCollum. Um, you know, the the most salacious thing that probably came out of the interview was, you know, him accusing general manager Rob Palenka of backstabbing him, um, not only within the organization, but with basketball people outside the organization, which isn't too surprising. Uh, Palenka is a former agent. Uh, he was actually Kobe Bryant's agent. Um, Palenka is... Not not well liked in the industry. I'm a little surprised, really, that he even has the job he has. It's going to be very difficult for him to be able to make trades with teams just because he's not well liked. Um, but on the same token, it's very obvious why he's got his job, and uh, that guy's name is Kobe Bryant, which just tells you that even though he's retired and not involved with the team, um, obviously he's still got a lot of pull and a lot of clout when it comes to uh, – you know, who he associates with. So we'll see what happens with the Lakers going into the offseason. Um, obviously, everybody has been saying LeBron needs a running mate, whether that is, uh, you know, some trade with Anthony Davis, which seems to be a little bit of a long shot, or uh, if it's going out and signing, a, you know, going after Durant or Kawhi, signing a Jimmy Butler, Chris Middleton, you know, um, I don't know. We'll see. That'll that'll be interesting to watch. Um, I, I guess the, my last thing, and it kind of goes back to my fandom of magic, and you know, you see it a lot now with kind of guys from our era, and, and it just kind of shows that we're getting old. Um, you know, Patrick Ewing was the Nick representative for uh, the lottery the other night, and I heard a lot of people cracking jokes on him, like you know, he didn't want to look like he wanted to be there, and he was. You know, Patrick Ewing, he never won this, he never won that. And they've been, you know, people have been saying it about Barkley for years. Anytime Barkley criticizes anybody, it always goes back to how many rings do you have. Um, It's just disappointing that it's gotten to be, it just seems like a lot of these legends are, are, are disrespected. You know, I don't remember the Bill Russells, the Wilts, the Havlicek's, the Jerry West's, Oscar Robertson's. I don't remember those guys being disrespected by the current crop of not only players but media members and and fans alike i don't know if that's just a sign of the times or or what it is but you know the the crying jordan meme i mean come on man like that's the greatest basketball player that's ever walked the face of the earth and there are people under the age of 20 that all they know him for is some stupid thing on the internet i don't know just kind of bothers me. That's my that's my old man get off the lawn segment for this this episode. So, <laughs> we'll we'll move on. Um, just quickly hit on the Brewers here. Um, ten game road trip, three city, Chicago, Philadelphia, Atlanta. Uh, Brewers come uh, come home with a five hundred record, five and five. 
Um, you know, not not a lot to say here. Honestly, you know, the pitching was was pretty decent for the most part. Um, they had a couple games where they swung the bats pretty well. They had a couple games where they couldn't get anything going. You know, I guess the biggest news of the last week, week and a half, is um, Travis Shaw going on the uh, DL. Well, it's not the DL now. It's the IL because apparently you can't say disabled because, you know, somebody in North Dakota's feelings might get hurt, whatever. But uh, Keston, Keston Hira, I believe that's how you say it, Hira, has been called up, the Brewers' top prospect. So uh, he'll be playing second base. They shift Moustakas over to third while Shaw is on the injured list. Sounds like it's going to be a couple weeks for Travis, and I wouldn't be surprised if he got some form of a rehab assignment, which is kind of an excuse to send him down to AAA. Um, you know, he's a mess at the plate right now. And uh, too good a player, too good a hitter over the last two years um, for this to continue. they got to figure something out. Um, you know, and the Brewers are, have been pretty patient with him. They were patient with Aguiar. A lot of people were screaming for him to get sat down, but he's kind of righted the ship. Kind of funny, you know, as soon as the weather starts to warm up, so does so does Aguiar. It's a little similar to last year. Um, you know, it's kind of funny to, to see what guys are wearing the the stockings and, and the the neck warmers in, in Wrigley the other day and, you know, who is and who's not. But uh, I don't know, man. I don't know what they're going to do with Shaw when they come back. You know, it's going to depend on how Hira's doing. He, he's been doing solid um, at the plate, pretty much what you'd expect. A couple hits in his first game. Uh, popped a home run, uh, I believe, on Saturday against Atlanta. Um Brewers are, Brewers are in a decent spot, all things considered. I, I, you know, they haven't they haven't really got going. They had that nice little stretch the first two weeks of the season, but you know, other than that, they've been pretty close to a five hundred team. Um, just trying to pull up the standings here real quick. Brewers are sitting at twenty eight and twenty one, a game behind the Cubs, three in the loss column. Um, so you know, they're they're in a good spot. They're in a good spot. Um, nothing to panic about. A lot of baseball left to go. They played 49 games, so what? You got about 100 and, I don't know, 110 left, something like that, 112. So um, we'll see. We'll see what happens. Be nice to see if Keston Herrick could come up, though, and, and really really start hitting. They, they, they need another right-handed bat in that lineup. You know, when Braun's going good, it really changes things. Um, but they're so left-hand dominant this year with – Shaw and Mustakis and Grandall's power side is from the left. You know, Gamble's another lefty. Uh, Thames is a lefty. So a lot of their power comes from the left side. So if if, if Keston can come up and, and contribute a little bit in that regard, that would be great. I don't think anybody's going to be, uh, you know, nominating him for any gold gloves anytime soon. But, hey, you know, at second base, we talked about it with Mustakis earlier on. You know, if you can turn that double play, you can play second base. And it appears Hira can do that. So, um, I guess the one thing to be a little concerned about with the crew right now is, is and it's it's a small concern in my opinion, is, is Josh Hader. Um, already given up more home runs this year than he did all of last year. Um, he's pitched well. Don't get me wrong. But a um, few too many balls leaving the park. You know, he gave up the uh, the game winner the other day to Atlanta on Saturday. 
in the extra inning game. Um, you know, that, but he he's now in a little bit of a different situation closing these games. It's a little bit of a different stress level. You know, last year he was pitching a lot of seventh, eighth innings where you had a little bit of a cushion to play with. Now you're, you know, they're trotting you out there for the end of the game. It's a little more pressure. And, uh, you know, your location and your pitch selection becomes a little more heightened, and, and he's missed a few, and, and uh, the teams are playing. The batters have not missed him. And, you know, Hayter's one of those guys that's kind of like Randy Johnson. You know, they throw so hard, you almost kind of let them do the work for you when it comes to the power. I mean, I, I can still remember, you know, you can YouTube this, Mark McGuire hitting a home run off Randy Johnson in the kingdom. It looked like it was about 700 feet. And McGuire barely swung, but Randy Johnson was getting it up there at about a, about 100. And, you know, you make solid contact on that, you're going to turn it around, and it's going to leave the park in a hurry. So hopefully the Brewers can uh, put a little streak together here, close out the month well. Um, who do we got coming up? We got, we got a two-gamer with the Reds, and then we move on to uh, the Phillies this weekend at home. So a little bit of a homestand here. See if the Brewers can uh, kind of right the ship, get ahead in the right direction, and try to keep putting the pressure on the Cubs. So that'll do it for this episode of the Intentional Foul. Um, I will try to be back later in the week, maybe after uh, Game 5, I'm hoping. Maybe uh, try to get something recorded on Friday. And, uh, you know, we'll have a better idea of where everything has shaken out in the Eastern Conference Finals with the Bucks. Hopefully, I am talking about the uh, the Finals, a Bucks warriors matchup, if things go well and the Bucks take care of business in the next two games. But we'll see what happens. Um, so yeah, appreciate the listen. Um, you can check me on Twitter at Dan Saunders 104 and, uh, hit Josh up at Josh Goldberg. Check us out on Facebook as well. And, uh, appreciate Josh once again, doing the producing duties. Um, I'm still bugging him every time I record one of these. When are you coming back? When are you coming back? Someday, someday we hope we'll, we'll get him back. Maybe he's just waiting for football. Maybe he's leaving the he's leaving the bare bones summer stuff for me to try to try to fill a half hour. I don't know. I don't know. We'll see. All right, folks. This is intentional foul. We'll catch you down the road. Go Bucks. <laughs>